This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every point like as we are. You know what that means? That means he had to deal with wrong thoughts just like you and I do. That means he was tempted to think contrary to the word of God just like us. He was facing the same choice that you and I face. He faced the same choice that these 12 spies face. And that is, what are you going to believe? Are you going to believe what God said? Or are you going to believe that the circumstances are bigger than God? That's really what it comes down to. Now, the congregation is to make a choice. All the children of Israel are hearing two different reports. They're hearing a a report of doubt, an evil report of doubt that says we can't do it. Isn't that what the devil tells you all the time? You can't do it. You can't have it. You can't receive it. But on the other hand, they heard somebody that was agreeing with the word and say, God's on our side. We can do this. Now, notice that Caleb and Joshua didn't stand up and say, here's how we can do this. They just said, God's with us. We can do it. Chapter 14 tells us what the congregation of Israel did. Verse 1, and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron, and the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore has the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return to Egypt? And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return to Egypt. Folks, I want you to understand something. People that refuse to walk by faith want a leader to help them walk away from God. People that have made the determination that God's word is not true, that healing is not for us, that God doesn't want you to win in every situation, that the devil's one that makes people sick and brings trouble into their lives and not God. Those people will elect a captain that will tell them what they want to hear and lead them in the way they want to go. It's just the way it works. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation and the children of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes, and they spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land, If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land, and he'll give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only rebel ye not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us, their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Now, what in the world would cause Joshua and Caleb to say that when the other ten are saying that the people are great and the sons of giants are over there and the Amalekites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and all the other rites dwell in the mountains and the coasts and all of the other places in the land. What would cause them to have such a different report? They saw exactly the same thing. They saw exactly the same circumstances. They heard exactly the same thoughts from the devil speaking to their mind. What caused them to say what they said? It was simply a choice. Folks, you can choose to think whatever you want to think. You can think thoughts of faith just as easy as you can think thoughts of doubt and unbelief. 
You can control your thoughts. You may choose not to. A lot of people do. But you can control them. It's just as easy to think thoughts of, da- thoughts of faith as it is to think thoughts of doubt. It's just as easy to speak words of faith as it is words of fear and unbelief. You can think and you can speak anything that you want to. So now they've heard another report. The children of Israel can turn on a dime here and still save the day. But notice what they do. Verse 10, but all the congregation bade stone them with stones. People that walk by what they see and feel in this natural realm, they don't want anybody around that walks by faith. Got to get rid of those faith people because they're speaking what God said. Can't have that. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. Now, folks, I want you to understand something. Well, I'll tell you what. Skip with me over to verse 28, chapter 14, verse 28. Here's God's response. God says, say unto them, tells Moses to say unto them, as truly as I live, saith the Lord, as you have spoken in my ears, so will I do unto you. Now, let me take this verse of Scripture apart for for you for a little bit. We see the phrase, as truly as I live, and we think that's just God saying, hey, this is really the truth I'm telling you. But think about what that means. How does God live for eternity? So when he says, as truly as I live, another translation says it this way. It is the oracle of God. What that means is, it's an eternal, unchanging principle that God is pronouncing upon the children of Israel. Now, he's not just establishing it at this point. He established this when he created Adam and Eve and put them in the Garden of Eden. But he's telling the people of Israel how it works. He's saying, as truly as I live, this is an unchanging, eternal principle. As you have spoken in my ears, so will I do unto you. Folks, I want you to understand something. Everybody in this story gets exactly what they said. The ones that said it would be better to die in the wilderness, die in the wilderness. Caleb and Joshua who said, we can do it. Possess the promised land. It cost them 40 years. The unbelief of the people cost them 40 years to do it. But 40 years later, they take possession of the land that the others said they couldn't take. Everybody in this story got exactly what they said. Now, the devil understands this unchanging eternal principle. That's why he brings thoughts of doubt to you, thoughts of fear, thoughts of failure, and so forth. Because he's trying to create the picture of fear and failure on the inside of you. So that you speak words of fear and doubt and failure. Why? Because you have what you say. If the devil can't control your tongue, he can't control what you receive. That's why Jesus said in Mark chapter 11 verse 23, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. But shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Now how is it that we have the right to believe that whatever we say will come to pass? Well, God just told us here's an eternal unchanging principle. He deals with us according to the words that we speak. He doesn't deal with us according to our feelings. He doesn't deal with us according to the warm fuzzy feelings we have of love toward him. 
He deals with us according to our words. He doesn't deal with us according to our thoughts. He deals with us according to our words. Now you need to know this, folks. You can't stop the wrong thoughts from coming to your mind. But you can stop which ones you entertain. You decide that. You can't stop somebody from knocking on your front door, but you can certainly decide who comes into the living room. The postman can bring a package to your door. It may or may not be something you've ordered. You decide whether you sign for it. That's the way it works with thoughts. Thoughts unspoken and that are not acted on die unborn. That's why the devil works overtime to bring the wrong thoughts to your mind. He's trying to bombard you with the wrong pictures pictures of failure and pictures of defeat to wear you down so that you'll finally speak in line with the thoughts that he's speaking to your mind the pictures that he's trying to paint that's why we say destroy every thought every image every impression that does not contribute to your faith see yourself with the answer and make plans accordingly now what is how are we going to do that when the devil is bombarding our minds, when the devil is bringing his attack, and, and boy, I mean, he comes at us really strong. I mean, he speaks thoughts, wrong thoughts as fast as machine gun bullets can fly. How do we overcome that? Well, the way you replace wrong thoughts, the way you resist wrong thoughts, is that you meditate constantly on the scriptures that you based your prayer on. Now think about what that means. If healing was what you were asking for, or finances, or whatever the case is. If you're meditating, which means to speak God's word, those scriptures that you based your prayer on, Jesus took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses, and with his stripes I'm healed. For my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory, whatever the case is. If you're speaking those things to yourself continually, you're bound to see yourself with what the Bible says is yours. That's what Proverbs 4 means when it says, Let not the word depart from before your eyes. See yourself with the answer. See yourself with the answer. Now, folks, that's the point where you can really tell when the Word of God has made an impact on your spirit and not just your mind. When you start seeing yourself victorious. Join Mike Webb and Foothill Family Church every Sunday night at 6 p.m. for our weekly healing school. Healing school is for those who are in need of being healed from sickness in their body as well as those who want to strengthen their faith in the area of healing. Now, whatever somebody, you or me or somebody else might think of why Jesus healed the sick, Matthew eight seventeen tells us why he healed everybody that was sick. Jesus healed all that were sick that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Foothill Family Church is in Orange County at the corner of Bake Parkway and Lake Forest Drive just minutes off the 5 freeway. To learn more about how you and your family can connect with Foothill Family Church, simply log on to mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word. So see yourself with the answer and make plans accordingly as if you've already received the answer. Now that brings us, now that we're almost out of time, 
to step number four where we can go a little bit further. Step number four is simply this. Praise God for your answer. In Romans chapter four, it tells us the story of Abraham. Abraham is known as the father of faith. You remember the story of Abraham, how that when he was about 100 years old, God had promised him a son. Sarah was 90 years old. Their body is not functioning in a reproductive manner any, any longer. So it was an impossible situation. God changes Abraham's name, changes his name from Abram to Abraham, which means father of nations. He gets Abraham to start saying of himself that he has children. That's what the change of his name meant. That's what it was for. So he begins to call himself by the new name. Now here's a childless man. He didn't have any children with Sarah at least. Calling himself the father of nations. Now the Bible says about Abraham. That he was an imitator of God. He imitated God in this manner. He called things that were not as though they were. He's calling himself the father of nations even though he doesn't have any children. Now in Romans chapter 4 verse 20, it tells us about this man that received the ultimate miracle that was the father of our faith. That's the example for our faith to follow. And it says in Romans chapter 4 and verse 20, that he staggered not at the promise of God. Another translation says it this way. Looking under the promise of God. He staggered not through unbelief. I like that. Looking under the promise of God. He staggered not through unbelief. But was strong in faith. Giving glory to God. In other words. The father of faith. Measure of faith. Was dictated by his praise in God for the answer. That's why we say step four is praise God for the answer. Praise God for the answer you can't yet see. Now, this is a principle that is all throughout the Bible. Second Chronicles chapter 20 tells us about when Jehoshaphat was king of Israel or king of Judah. And there were five enemy kings that came out against him. He knew that he didn't have the military strength to overcome them in a battle. So he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim to fast throughout all of Israel. During this time of fasting and praying, the Lord spoke to one of the prophets and said, the battle's not yours but mine. I'll defeat these people tomorrow. Go out against them. Here's where you'll find them and so forth. Now it tells us that everybody got really excited about that. You could well understand that. I mean, it's good news when you hear that God's going to fight your battles for you. Not so good news when he tells you you still have to go face them. But everybody's excited, but then the next morning comes around. I'm sure not everybody's excited as they were the day before. What are they going to do then? And it says, beginning in verse 20, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 20, And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper. Now, how can they exhibit their belief or their faith in what the prophet had said by the word of the Lord the day before about victory in the battle? 
Well, thank God Jehoshaphat knew what to do. When he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that they should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before. That means in front of the army. Folks, if you were part of the choir back then, it meant something. (laughs) The people with the weapons are behind you, not in front of you. So he appointed singers unto the Lord and that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army. And to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Now, verse 22 is the point that I want to make. And when, everybody say when. And when they began to sing into praise. And when they began to sing into praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. They all start fighting against each other. By the time the people get to where the camp is, the enemy camp is, It takes them three days to carry away all the stuff that's left. But notice when the battle was won in the natural realm, when they began to sing into praise, when they began to sing into praise. Turn with me over to Acts chapter 16. Let's look at a New Testament example of this very same thing. Acts chapter 16 tells us about Paul's ministry. They come to the city of Philippi. And in the city there's a little girl, slave girl, that has a spirit of divination, the Bible says. She's kind of like a fortune teller, I guess. And she started saying, when they would walk by, these men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Now this happened day after day after day. We don't know how long. But it says, the Bible calls it many days. So that's more than a few. So it says one day, this has happened, Paul was grieved in his spirit, verse 18, and he turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her, and he came out the same hour. So I guess that means the Holy Ghost prompted him to do something about it on that particular occasion, that particular day. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, she made money for the people that that owned her as a little slave girl. They caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace under the rulers and brought them to the magistrates saying, These men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe, being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Now, here's the reward they get for preaching the gospel and setting the little girl free from the power of the devil. So they charged the jailer to keep them safely after they beat them, who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Now, folks, what would you do in that situation? I mean, that would be a perfect time for a pity party, wouldn't it? Lord, this isn't right. It's not fair. Here I am serving you. We came to a city supernaturally. We can't, the only reason we came here is because you showed us a vision in the night to come to this place. Surely, that should have meant that the city would receive us. I mean, if God gives you a vision, it's clear sailing ahead, isn't it? Silas is probably sitting over there back bleeding. 
in pain, saying, Paul, are you sure you had a vision about this? Perfect time to feel sorry for yourself. But notice what they did. They knew what the answer was. It says, verse 25, and at midnight, I believe that was literally midnight, but it could be the midnight, represent the midnight of your situation too, the darkest hour. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Now, what do you think they're praying about? What would you be praying about? There's only one thing to be on my mind, and that is, Lord, get me out of here. Notice they prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. They weren't quiet about it. They sang praises for everybody to hear. And the Bible is true. It says that God has made a way for us into victory, no matter what the situation is, in the name of Jesus. Then wouldn't we, accepting that truth, act just the same way that Paul and Silas did in prison? They understood that this was trouble that the devil was trying to stop them in ministry. So what did they do? At midnight, they prayed and sang praises unto God and the prisoners heard them. Now what was the result of that? Suddenly there was a great earthquake. So that every prison door opened. Everybody's chains fell off their hands. The stocks fell off their feet. Everybody in the whole prison, not just Paul and Silas, But everybody in the whole prison now is loosed and free. And nobody moves. Now I don't know what other prisoners were in the prison. I would imagine there's some guys down there that have done some pretty nasty things. But notice that there's no rush for the door. There's no big jailbreak because of this earthquake. Everybody is frozen in position, waiting to see what these two guys are going to do next. In other words, whatever their prayer was and whatever praises they sang, where everybody heard, was sufficient to convince them, the prisoners, that Paul and Silas brought the power of God on the scene for deliverance. Now, when Paul writes to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 4, notice verse 6. This was the city of Philippi that this occurred in. So when Paul, many years later, writes back to a letter to the city, he gives them the same instruction about what to do in the middle of their trouble that he did in the middle of his trouble. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, it says, be careful for nothing. Another translation says, be anxious about nothing. Don't worry, don't fret about anything. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, in every situation. It doesn't say for everything, but it says in everything, in every situation you find yourself in. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. In other words, he's saying, here's how to pray when you're in the middle of your situation, whatever it is good, bad, or whatever. Ask God, pray, make supplication. In other words, you may have to hold fast to your prayer. But then notice he said, with thanksgiving. Now there's got to be a reason that the Holy Ghost would prompt Paul to attach thanksgiving to prayer. What do you think that reason is? Well, the Bible example 
is that praise shows that you believe that you received what you asked for. It's the proof that you believe God heard and answered your prayer. Abraham was strong in faith, giving glory to God. So in your waking moments, think on the goodness and the greatness of God. Count your blessings and faith will increase. Remember the things that God has done for you in the past. Look at God's ability and not your lack of ability. Maintain constantly that all things are possible to him that believes. Maintain constantly that all things are possible to him that believes. Now here's the final point, final part of step number four. And that is this. Make every prayer relative to what you've asked a statement of faith instead of unbelief. What are you going to do during the period of time that you're standing in faith, believing that you receive what you asked for? Are you going to ask God for it again? Smith Wigglesworth said this. He said, if you prayed seven times about any one thing, you prayed six times in unbelief. See, to ask God again for what you believe you received by faith is to say that God didn't hear you the first time, so now you're hoping that he hears you this time. So instead of praying about things the same way that you did when you started, thank him. Remind him in prayer, but thank him for what you believe you received. That's why we say make every statement a statement of faith rather than unbelief. Every prayer relative to what you've prayed, a statement of faith rather than unbelief. Folks, you need to understand that if you pray about something again after you said you believed you received, you take it out of the hands of God. You just stepped over from faith into unbelief. And God can't answer a prayer of unbelief. So these four steps will bring you an answer to prayer every time. Decide what you want from God. Find the scriptures that promise you those things and make them a part of your heart. Step number two, ask God for what you want and believe that you receive them when you pray. Step number three, keep your heart from doubt. Don't let the wrong thoughts influence what you see on the inside and what you say with your mouth. Finally, step four, praise God for the answer. Praise God for the answer. Thanksgiving should be at least 25% of your prayer life. At least. How many of you have ever found God to let you down? No, it's impossible. He can never fail. When we operate according to what the Bible says, we'll succeed every time. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. The word effectual means effective. If you pray effectively, you'll get, a prayer, you'll get an answer to your prayer every time. Jesus defined the prayer of faith by saying, What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Don't let your circumstances take you away from believing and confessing what you prayed to receive. Thanks for watching today. Come visit us at Foothill Family Church. This is Foothill Family Church with Mike Webb. Folks, there's only one thing that we can conclude that lines up with the way the Bible says it. And that is when God gave them, when Jesus gave them, conferred to them power and authority to cast out devils and to heal all manner of sickness and disease. 
They didn't feel anything any more than you feel when you read. There's only one criteria that he placed in any of the places where Jesus delivered authority to the 12 or the 70. That's the only criteria. If they receive you, then heal the sick. Join us Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Visit us online at mikeweb.tv. Foothill Family Church, building strong, spirit-filled lives through God's Word.